0: Luca's Tigers and Bronze is brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. HGA is revolutionizing the industry by implementing software that will allow them to scan, analyze, and grade cards without subjectivity. This allows for consistent and unbiased grading. They have an easy submission process and best-in-class customer service. Their pricing model is simple. Pay by the day, not by the value of the card. And when they say 10 business days, they mean 10 business days.
1: going to be fun. You know, we were doing some talking behind the scenes when uh, that little red ticker, the live was off and we're talking about a million topics, but more than anything, I think we're laughing and having fun. And I think that's going to be the kind of the vibe of today's episode. You know, I asked the two gentlemen in front of me, I I know you guys know these guys, so I'm not going to make this long introduction, but I said, you know, is there anything you want us to cover? And is there anything you want us to stay away from? And they said, no, let's just make some good content. You know, and it's funny, we're recording this. It's September 1st. You're listening to it, new month, September. And we feel like national was what, like last year? We were just talking (laughs) about that. So much has happened in this last month. And we'll talk about Card Ladder. We'll talk about Chris Hodge and Josh and what they're up to. Uh, But first, let's talk about August. Let's talk about all the things that have happened and get your guys' takes uh, on the hobby and really maybe shed some optimism and positivity on what the what what it looks like moving forward. So, without further ado, you guys know these guys. Josh, Cardboard Chronicles, one of the best LeBron collections in the game. If we have time, I'll let LeBron, uh, LeBron, I'll let Josh come at me for my LeBron comment. <laughs> Chris, hi, he I'll called be you LeBron.
0: He actually referred to you as LeBron. I like it. That means we have to call Chris Christian McCaffrey. Yes. We have, to use, we have to use their real names then.
2: <laughs> i go with Jordan too, but uh, I'll sell <laughs> Welcome when, to the show when, when are you
0: launching the House of McCaffrey's?
2: <laughs> that, that's going to be a very small house. That's the shack of McCaffrey's. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it, it sort of rhymes. I like it. Well, listen, we're going to talk about the national. It's funny. Andrew gives a great intro and he says, you know, he he, he left one part out. We did ask these guys you know, is there anything off limits? And they said, no, and give him credit for that. But we did we did say, hey, is there anything you want us to focus on? And and before we leave, we'll talk about the national, but we have to give Josh just five minutes to talk about his OnlyFans account. Because he did say, <laughs> we got to mention that. We have to talk about that, guys. Um, but no, back oh, to no. not... <laughs> uh, the national. Back to the national. So August, you it know, feels like it's you, forever. Go ahead.
2: You know how I would describe August? I would describe it as a swig of a cage two liter. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's what August was. <laughs> And I do, I do consume Lucas Tigers and Bronze, and I know all about those two leaders. I know Andrew's push to get you off of them, but nope. It, nope. no, no success there whatsoever. <laughs> gotta be
0: caffeinated, man. I put myself to
2: sleep if I wasn't for this,
0: night, so I gotta keep <laughs> myself going, man. I mean, that's how this works. But I mean, listen, I, I think I get what you're saying. I mean, we were kind of coming into it with like a, you know, it was a little bit of a doldrum, right? And then there was a little bit of a pump. It, it seemed a little bit of momentum going into it. And I mean, I look at the, I look at the card ladder you know, the, the, the card letter index. And I saw your post from today and it basically says cards are picking back up guys. You know I mean? And, and that's a great thing to see, right? Because that's an overall market index. Right. And, you know, we see it just in our listener count. you know, kind of matches sort of, you know, the market in and of itself. Right. So what do you think led to that? You think it was the national, you think it was just, you know, overreaction or correction. What, what do you guys think? Cause you guys are in the weeds on the data. So talk to us.
2: I mean Josh made the post pointing out that the CL index as of today it's up 5% and so the 50 cards comprising it are at a, a, a roughly a million dollar valuation. So and it hasn't been there for a while. So Josh what made you, you know, notice that the CL index is up 5% over the
3: last month and kind of put a spotlight on it? Well, I mean over the last like like two weeks leading up to national uh, a lot of people were like trying to f- like almost forcefully will the market to go back up because they were just <laughs> tired of seeing it go down so much. So they're like willing it, like look at this sale, look at this all time high, the market's going back up. I know it. But if you look at the index, which is the actual you know way that we like to track internally, how the overall market's doing, the numbers were saying it was down. So, you know, I just, I didn't want to be the one that's saying the opposite, but in the last couple of weeks, I think maybe people just got tired of, <laughs> of trying to build it up and it's been a little bit quiet and it's like, okay, then let me check now that everyone's quiet and see if it actually is going back up. I just, I've always preferred to go against the grain and so now that it's quiet, now I will announce, yes, so that market is going back up. You guys can be excited again. across
1: the board? So like to me, what I've seen, I, and sorry to cut you off, Cage. No, go ahead. I, I'll remember I my mean, question. I, th- I think 2021, we saw goats, you know, Brady, Jordan, Kobe, just like all-time hall of famers and all the way down the down the whole down the road just go through the roof but we saw modern actually sell off is is that trend reversing
3: well the index is mostly older stuff like i think the newest card we have in there is like 2017 so 2013 i can't i think it's one of those so like it would be hard for the index to actually gauge that specific question but like overall i would say it's less about like it being modern and more about it being uh focused on the population because a lot of the new modern stuff is just like more and more printed as you get closer to, to to today so i would say it's more about just like the population of that stuff growing so fast and that's kind of the reason a lot of that modern stuff softened and people have like realized that's happening and put their money into the like older goats and their cards happen to be from eras where there was less printing
0: well that's why i love these guys it's data Right. And Josh is saying it doesn't matter how many people are out there who are saying something, he's going to wait until it's quiet when there's less noise and noise in the data, too. Right. He tells less noise and he's going to say, look, this is what we're seeing now. Right. And look, the, the, for a lot of people listening, that index is almost not relevant to them because a lot of people who got into this. They have modern stuff. And, you yeah. know, you can look at the modern and it'll tell a different story now. But I think the modern will follow that that index it usually has um, normally when things are going good for everybody, it goes good. But I love, and I don't want to get away from this, I love Josh's take. I love it doesn't matter, you know, like people are screaming, they, they're trying to will it that way. So I have a question for you. If I yell, kabooms are awesome and kabooms are expensive, enough times, will that make kabooms worth more money?
3: No, right? Um, it can in the short term, <laughs> but what ends up happening is like, if you get enough momentum behind something like that and you get, you know, 20 influencer accounts talking about kabooms and you get... Um, people excited about it and kind of like overpaying for a short amount of time, you will definitely see a spike in the short term. The issue is uh the people who grab onto it after that spike occurs, and then those people get really, really pissed off when it <laughs> crashes back down inevitably. Not because of the card is bad or anything, just because it's been over it's been overheated and overgassed to where the supply increases, people are trying to take profits, prices go down those are the ones that at the end of that are going to be overly pissed and they're going to be very vocal about like losing money on that kind of thing. And then the, the sentiment around it is like, kaboom, crush me. I hate it. What the hell? Why did I listen to all these people versus if it had just gone through like a natural progression of excitement, uh, in a more natural state, everyone would have loved kaboom more than they would have in this scenario of like up and then back down. So that's what frustrates me. is like if you would just follow the normal trajectory and like, have it be natural. It just is more enjoyable for everybody.
0: And, and I think it's also part of your post, right? I mean, I saw a post, you know, don't bite my head off if it wasn't yours, but I'm pretty sure it was yours. I don't really consume much other content, right? But I think it was the Jordan 9, the LeBron Chrome, and the Kobe. And basically what it showed was it showed a spike and a back down, but yeah. exactly what you just said, Josh, which was that if you just follow that red line across Right. You'll notice that it's a gradual increase over time, which is much more organic. And you got less people screaming who bought it at that peak on the way down, yelling about how. And they're the vocal people. They're the people you're going to see on Twitter or Instagram talking about how kaboom went kaboom. And it it just it makes this whole like it makes this whole Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, it's just a bad taste in the market that we didn't need because if it followed the normal trajectory of up. People would be happy and enjoying these things, and you'd have that continuing, you know, going up. I th- I think th- that was your post, right? I'm pretty sure
3: it was a share from Sports Card Investments, but yeah, Thanks. it's it's definitely uh, some, he's talked about it before, and he's using card letter data to point it out. And Chris and I have talked about it several times.
1: Yeah, so I'm curious what you guys think. So you guys were, were at National. What makes an influencer like everybody's? I don't want to say everybody, but how many? There's there's got to be a few hundred accounts on on Instagram that are hobby accounts with. 4,000, 5,000 followers. Yeah. We're in this really interesting phase of the internet. Uh, NFTs are coming, community. Uh, what, what even makes an influencer, right? Like, if it's so easy to move a market, are we, where are we even at as a hobby? Maybe, I, I don't know even how to verbalize that question, but if anybody who has a card and a small following can yell from the top of the building saying, this card's the best, and it goes up in price it's not the influencer's fault necessarily. It's maybe the maturity of the market.
2: So Chris, any thoughts on that? Um, You know, I have one of the slowest growing accounts in the hobby, I think, by most metrics. You know, I've been around for five years. I still have less than 8,000 followers. So I'm probably the wrong one to ask about what makes an influencer. But I I will say that, uh, you know, an influencer to me is somebody who quite literally moves somebody else to take an action, whether it's to go look at an item on eBay, maybe not to buy, to buy it or to bid on it, but just to go look at it or makes them think a little differently about something. And then if you can motivate a larger number of people to go take a look at something or think a little differently about something, you know, then you probably rise to the level of being recognized as an influencer. And I think you're right. I think we have quite a few. In the hobby now, and it's not hard. Like me, you know, I I don't care who the account is. I'll just be on a story scroll on Instagram, and I'll see a post about a card I wasn't thinking about, and then now I've got to save search for it on eBay, and now I'm looking for it. So, I, I don't think it takes much to be an influencer, but but maybe I'm wrong.
1: So, so then let me ask this because guys, I don't know if you know this that you none of the guests need truth serum here. Like Cage will speak his mind, Josh will speak his mind. So maybe the better question then is. Because we, you're right, we're all influencers. Whether we even have an Instagram account or not, our dad might be asking us, what what card should I buy? What NFT should I buy? Where should I put my money? A friend's getting into the hobby and he asks, you know, you know, I want to buy a card. What card do I buy? You know, that famous first card, you know? So what's the, maybe the, respo- the chair just broke. What's the
2: responsibility? <laughs> Andrew's leaning part? a little hard in the chair.
1: Sorry. You know, people are messing with my back support. And you know, when they don't like lock it in. I don't yeah. know uh well, maybe josh what's the what's the responsibility i guess of an influencer how should maybe sure. they, they toe the line of
3: i'm helping and educating versus i'm pumping and chilling sure well i think the easiest way is to be transparent about like what you own prior to to talking about a card so it's just a very easy way is just say like i own you know etc i think this is a cool card i enjoy it whatever um that's just the easiest way. Like, and we we take that pretty serious on the card ladder platform. Just to use an example, like if we own one of the cards, we'll actually like denote it on the profile so you can see like which ones we own because we don't want to we don't want to you know get anything twisted or get people confused on you know if something moves up the ladder you know for example, or if it uh, the price moves, we don't want to make people think like oh well they're trying to hide something. So transparency is the easiest way. I mean, this whole like influencer topic is pretty tough because you're talking about like human emotions and you're talking about like philosophy and stuff. So it's really hard for, for us, like the data guys to wrap our arms around, you know, how to measure something like this. You're just sort of like, um, you're just sort of like guessing at it. So for me, it's, it's kind of more of like a gut feeling at this point. Like when I, when I can sense someone and we were talking about this before the pod is like, uh, someone's intent. Like if I can tell your intention is to, uh, you know, profit from this and then dump it, you, you know, that's, that's the line for me is like your intent on this thing. Or if I can tell, like you've been collecting this thing for 10 years and you have no intention of actually selling this stuff, then it's different, right? It's, you know, you're, you're sharing your passion. And so I get, for me, it's just like intention and transparency. I want to come to you guys and we're going to talk about the fanatics news. Then we're going to talk about the eBay PWCC saga
1: Maybe we'll talk a little bit of all, and then we'll wrap up with what's all the new features on CardLadder. They have an amazing announcement coming up uh, that you're going to want to be on the platform for in a month. A lot of people out there think that you have to have a huge Instagram following to build a business in the hobby. But I want to give a shout out to a business. I think you guys will appreciate this, and we'll go into the Fanatics thing right after. The Wharf Sports Cards. This guy's business has grown. I, I don't know. I don't have a peek behind the scenes, but at month over month, it's grown. And I could I know that for a fact, limited social media presence, limited marketing, and I think all of his business is word of mouth, right? And, and this is just a guy doing things his own way. And he's like, I'm just going to do right by my customers. And I'm going to build a fan base that way. So a lot of people come to us and ask us, how do I make money in the hobby? You know, do I become an influencer or do I make cards? Guys, there's ways to do it. And you don't have to be a social media
2: phenom to do it. Can I give you an anecdote about Worf, Nick? Sure. Um, All right. So uh, we uh, have a relationship with Nick, a Formula one card ladder and wharf, you know, and and uh, he's used some of our graphs and his posts and and so on and so forth. And and we encourage and we like his business. And, you know, one time I wrote a headline for the card Ladder news feed. This was about six months ago. And I said, you know, this card sold and it was sold by the wharf. And he messaged me within 10 minutes of me publishing that, partially because when I'm going to sleep at about 4 a.m., he's waking up and he messaged me within within 10 minutes of seeing that. And he says, hey, man, I really appreciate you giving me the shout out here, but I have to let you know that that item didn't get paid. The buyer already canceled it. And so could you please take that down? And I've never had uh, an auction house or a seller do that. He's the only person to do that—to like proactively write out to me and say, "Hey, look, you know, I really appreciate this, but but don't put that up there because I can tell you right now that the transaction was already canceled." It just speaks to his integrity, and that that level, and he runs his his consignment outfit with that level of integrity. Mm-hmm. And man, that's the gold standard. And I wish you know everybody to follow in his footsteps in that regard.
1: And the results have followed too, right? Like he's gotten yeah. more business because he's he stayed true to that. All right, let's get into some fun topics because. I don't, I don't know where these This are hasn't go. been really, fun?
0: This hasn't been enough fun for you? <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> well I, think it's I think people are trying to make sense of the month of August. They're like, all right, this Fanatics news I'm kind of on the fence about. PWCC Wait, eBay what it's happened a split a decision. <laughs> ah, you, they made a lot of really good Swingman jerseys. All right. <laughs> all right, but so are they using have, them
0: in National Treasures?
1: <laughs> probably not game used. <laughs> no, not anymore. So anyway, my question's been butchered. But anyway, this is like, what I do. We have, fanat- we have fanatics, which people are trying to make sense of. We have eBay, PWCC, which is like a divorce where one one kid goes with one parent, the other goes with the other. Just but no one knows. What parent been any. are
0: you gonna go with?
1: I I've made my decision. Oh, I can't wait! Are you taking your talents to South Beach? <laughs> yep, uh, and. And then the whole alt thing, which we might get into because the guys here know data. They know internet protocols. Most of us don't know that. But let's start with fanatics. Uh, I'll go to you first, Chris, then we'll go to Josh. Help us make sense of this, right? There's obviously going to be positives and negatives. And I don't want to ask a surface level question, you know, is this good or bad for the hobby? But maybe you could do like that whole like interview strengths and weaknesses. Hmm. How does this maybe play out that this benefits consumers? And how is this maybe? Maybe what are a few of your worries about
2: this deal? Sure. Yeah. Downsides first. Uh, potential downsides include um, serious disruption to the supply chain of product. And to me, the LCS, even if it's an antiquated model, is so important to as a if, if nothing else, as a recruitment mechanism to bringing people back into the hobby. When I came back to the hobby in 2016, if, if I didn't have LCSs to go to and store owners to chat with and sort of bring myself back up to speed and have something that felt familiar, because nothing else felt familiar. eBay, online marketplaces, Beckett Magazine just being basically a bunch of numbers, no more editorial content. Everything felt foreign, all right? But the the LCS felt familiar, and it was a nice bridge to bring me back to the hobby. So I think you know, the, some, one of the downsides would be a serious disruption to the way the product gets distributed. Uh, I, that, that worries me. It might not be bad. There might, it, it might work out for the better, but, but there's a level of uncertainty there that worries me if, if the LCS model were to fundamentally change. Uh, also possible downsides, you know, I, I know you guys have an NFT friendly audience, so forgive me for this, but I don't want to see NFTs cannibalize sports cards and I think that there's certain profit motives in, in business theories that might say, look, if, if we can have a higher profit margin on converting the sports card industry into an NFT industry, then, you know, we're going to try that. So I, that that concerns me as well. And it's an, that concern is heightened because of the exclusivity of the five licenses that they've obtained from the NFLPA, MLBPA, uh, MLB, NBPA MLB, NB, and the NBA. The only one they don't have yet is the NFL, and I'm sure that domino will fall. So to me, that's a heightened concern because because I, I don't I, I want sports cards to continue in something strongly resembling the tradition we have now. And then you know other downside is loss of some of our favorite brands if Panini and Tops are unable to strike licensing deals, um, or 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 they don't get bought out, that that could be a problem. Okay, upsides. Um, one of the best possible outcomes here is that fanatics and michael rubin and some very smart people have taken a look at this situation and have made commitments that are going to amount to 12 figure investments by the time that the deal has expired so people very smart people have taken a look at this industry and seen a massive potential for growth and that's a that's a vote of confidence that you know it it the action speaks louder than any words could so I think Fanatics has given a vote of confidence to the sports card industry. That's unlike any other vote of confidence we've ever gotten with the amount of resources that they're pledging and plunging into this endeavor. I think uh, Josh Luber, to the extent that he is involved, it's just rumors right now, but I love him as a collector and as a tastemaker and as an influencer. So I think his participation in this thing is, is potentially going to be tremendous and, you know, Fanatics, it being a company that's six times the size of Panini, just adds a layer of, of just adds a presence that we've never had in this industry before on, on, in terms of scale. And I think just Fanatics, you know, you look at the way that they market their apparel during NBA games, NFL games, MLB games, and you look at the way that they market in-stadium experience, and you just kind of look at the way that they they have such a strong presence and such a marketing genius about their company that to bring it to sports cards really could finally take sports cards to that, that promised land of, of, of mainstream relevance. So I think the sky's the limit potentially, but you know, there's some footnotes that, that I mentioned some of the possible downsides too.
1: Josh, any thoughts on it at all? Yeah. um ditto (laughs) no i mean chris did a good job with that like he
3: did yeah i mean chris chris organized that pretty well so i'll just i'll be i'll be brief i think the the ceiling is a lot higher than it was before given the resources of fanatics but the floor is a lot lower because we just don't know what it's going to be like they like chris said they could just go all digital and just totally scrap cards i don't think that will happen given uh, the people that are involved in it i just i don't see that happening I think the, the ceiling for me, like the the really the only thing that Chris didn't touch on that I will is like the the X factor being that fanatics really wants to tap into like the nostalgia and sort of like bringing back some old brands that a lot of people are excited to see in cards again, whether that be, you know, uh, Topps Chrome or, or Exquisitors and not necessarily those exact ones. They may buy the licensing for that, but like, you know, similar things where. Um, they make improvements to, like, the inserts and parallels. They they reduce the number of – they reduce some of the noise with, like, the, the silly, like, zebra-stripe stuff, and they really, like, hone in on what people actually want. That would be the, the the ceiling for me. It may not be true for everybody, but, you know, being able to tap into, like, what people want nostalgically out of cards, I think uh, has a lot of potential on that front.
0: Before we jump off, Andrew,
3: just to, just to hammer home something Chris said
0: because it's not even something that I thought about. Until he just went through his whole, you know, his whole little dance here. Um, one of the questions that I get asked pretty often as someone who was, you know, collecting in the 80s, and you guys probably were, you know, last time around too, is, you know, where some of the people who were able to see the last boom cycle, right? You know, the Ken Griffey Jr., 89 upper deck through the 92 Shaq, and you know, Jordan, and 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 all that stuff, right? And and you know, one of the questions we get asked all the time is, is you know, can that happen now? And of course, it can happen now, Of course, we could be going through a period where it's you know we're already halfway through this boom cycle and it's going to burst, and you know the kaboom cabal is going to take us all down and blah blah blah. It may very well happen. who knows, but what Chris is saying it really is a confidence booster to to folks out there who are buying cards who are investing in cards, people who hold five figures, six figures, seven figures in cards right and and had that question in the back of their mind of of you know, is this going to go bust? Is Panini going to, you know, turn those printing presses, you know, on fast forward, and and the whole thing's just going to collapse, right? Smarter people than me, I know. Josh is very, very smart. Sorry, Chris, he's the smart one. But you know, so there may not be anyone at Fanatics smarter than Josh, but there are smart people at Fanatics, right? And they have decided to invest a shit ton of money in the future of this hobby, right? And that should give everyone a little bit of confidence. That this is not going away tomorrow. It's not going away next year as long as Panini and Tops don't completely shit the bed before the handoff. But, you know, I mean, you know, it's a great point, Chris. It really is. And for anybody who's collecting, anybody who got into this in the last couple of years, you should really, you know, let that point sink in, right? Because there are people putting a lot of money, (coughs) a lot of resources into the future of this hobby and the the fact that it's going to succeed. That should make everybody sleep a little better at night with their, you know, with their, with their assets, well, thanks for that one. It's not even something that I've kind of focused on,
1: you know, as part of this deal. Where my one concern is, and I'm, I'm curious if you guys agree with this or where you guys stand on this is there's two hobbies, right? There's the rich man's hobby and then there's the little man, right? And I, I, I think we, we try to throw them all in this lump, like it's all for the hobby. And I hear you guys, but there's people with big pockets that I think in 2021, those pockets are now lined. But I think there's people on the sidelines like, all right, Great. I mean, PSA bought bought out, Fanatics bought out, but I'm the little guy. I got in last year and I can't even send my cards in to get graded. And that was the way I used to make my money. So the hobby's growing. This pie's growing, but I've got a smaller pizza slice. So I'm curious, do you guys share that worry for I mean, honestly, Cage, you're the one that put this little breadcrumb of an idea in my brain and I can't let it go? Is what about the little man, right? How is he gonna he
3: or she gonna color up? Are those opportunities even there? What do you think, Josh? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I've felt this for a few months now where it seems like, you know, if I try to recommend to a friend to get into the hobby, it's really hard for me to recommend to them because the things that I know have like a strong staple in the hobby are just so expensive that I just, you know, I can't like look them in the eyes and be like, yeah, you right. should drop 10 grand on one card. It's just, it's a really, like to your point, it's very it's very dominated by the, the big guy. I will say though, the... The potential of Fanatics getting involved uh, could be good for that scenario you're drawing out because um, Fanatics wants to hit the masses. They want to actually, you know, they they have a a wider reach than some of these smaller companies. So like their goal isn't just going to be to like make, you know, $50,000 cards. It's going to be to get more overall people involved and get like more of the masses types numbers. So I think we could see, you know, uh, uh, a cheaper line of cards come out and like, them do, and and then them having to control the actual distribution and the pricing models and the and the price like the retail price and not have the distributors in the middle and to Chris's point they may not have LCS in the middle to to boost the prices up and breakers even we, we may not even know what comes out of this from the breaker breaking point of view if they can control the full end to end we may see prices uh, more controlled by them and they could be lower to to try to gain more mass appeal so we could see a resurgence on the lower end for sure. Chris, you brought up uh, NFTs and how like, you don't want the hobby to go the NFT
1: route. You know, I actually think the biggest threat to cards is more digital cards, right? We th- we typically conflate uh, NFTs with digital cards, but I actually think breakers, for example, could be, I don't know if put out of business, but KG, I- I- I'm actually leading here and I want you to jump in because we-, we signed up for this project called Panini NFTs, but they weren't really NFTs because you can't take them out of Panini you can't sell them for crypto it was just digital cards and they're numbered even the base versions were numbered to 1799 the silvers were out of 149 blues were and that made it really cool because oftentimes with like color blasts and things like that we don't know how many are out there right they put SSP but we don't know if you can get Uh, over the
0: hump of that it's a digital card who doesn't want a numbered color blast
1: wouldn't you love one of
0: those if it was in on cardboard You know what I mean? So, you know, it's an interesting thing. But go ahead, Andrew.
1: Where do you guys – well, I guess where do you guys stand on digital cards? Do you think that could be kind of cool or interesting? Uh, Maybe I'll go to you, Chris Hodge, because I would call Chris Hodge. It's Chris House of Jordans.
2: (laughs) (laughs) uh, There's three variations of me. There's Chris House of Jordans, Chris Hodge, and Chris Hoge depending upon who's uh, who I'm talking to. My fourth favorite, is
0: Chris Hodges live. Exactly, Josh. <laughs> yeah. Josh got it. Josh got it. He beat yeah. me to it, too. Nice job. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, my take on it, and I'll let these guys chime in, is I think there's room for both, but I think Panini, I don't know what they're doing with their digital cards. I hope it doesn't, you know, vampire, I guess is a good word, the, 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 the actual cardboard, the tangible assets, because there's room for that to expand so much. I think there is room for, for digital cards. I mean, Top Shot's not going away, right? Um, you know, I think they overproduced the hell out of that stuff, and they'll probably learn from that and then, you know, right size it in the whole deal. Um, you know, they have NBA licenses, um, and I think it is, you know, people didn't love AMD for a while, right? They didn't love these chip manufacturers. Intel was the big boss, right? You know, people didn't love Samsung for a little while because Apple was, was, you know, was, was running every, everything, right? but you need those little bit of a competitor out there. And if Fanatics is basically going to have everything, right, well, then that digital space might be one area to, you know, to monopoly bust, you know what I mean? And if, and if the 95% of people want to stay with Fanatics cards, sure, the other 5% can go and play in the Top Shot world or the Panini digital assets that may not be licensed. I mean, they're putting out baseball ones now anyway. So I think there's room for it all. I don't think it has to be an or. I don't see, and this is taken from somebody who's been collecting, you know, cardboard now for, I mean, if you count the 80s, I'm in my fifth decade of collecting cards here. 80s, 90s, 2000, yeah, five different decades of collecting cards here. Cards are not going anywhere. And they're not going to get taken over by the digital stuff. You know, there's room for it. It's going to take a, a tiny little slice, but I think it is really just a, you know, an, an and thing. you done the right way. I'd love to see Fanatics take a stab at it because the companies that have done it so far tops with wax, which was a mess panini really you know they haven't really done it in a way that i would maybe fanatics does it in a good way maybe they pair it up with the cards some way this way it's it's kind of like a bolt on to the actual cardboard
1: who knows what some people don't realize uh until you go through it it actually you put you said puts pressure puts pressure on on uh grading companies right because why we send to psa and bgs and sgc and hga and all these companies is because we want to be able to compare apples to apples right but when you have digital cards and you know the exact uh, kind of scarcity or supply of each one, I mean, there's no, like, a better – there's no PSA 10 of a digital art. So it actually puts a little pressure on – uh on. I'm getting
0: another call here. Yeah, Cage. Oh, hi, Mike Baker. Mike Baker wants me to tell <laughs> you that there's different types of apples. All, <laughs> all, right, apples, let's keep it, let's... all apples are not the same. No? Just, just,
1: just...
0: Oh, okay.
1: Sorry, our most of our fans know what you're talking about. The, the cage posse—they're—they're they're cracking up. That you just can't tell, guys. Should we let's talk a little bit about PWCC and eBay? When you guys first saw that announcement, um I'll, I'll go to you, Josh, and then we'll go to Chris. What uh what was your first impression when you saw that announcement?
3: Um, I was worried that we'd lose a lot of data because PWCC has been a It's been, um, very important to the hobby because of the, the data that they provide and the, they've been working with eBay to make sure that data gets, gets put out in a organized fashion. And I was worried that once this happened, eBay was doing this as a move to lock up their data more so than they already do. And I just think that that could be a catastrophic, uh, you know, mistake on, on the part of eBay towards the entire hobby and that. You know, they're looking for their own internal profits and they're looking for like their own bottom line. But, you know, they could really make a devastating blow to the hobby just in the fact that they control so much of the pricing data. And it's it makes me nervous. That was my initial reaction. The second, I guess, was like, you know, what the heck happened? Like, what I don't know. It's just like a very um, it just seemed like a very emotional move. Chris and I kind of dissected the email. The email felt emotional. And I, I know people have come after at chris and i and been like well you know these guys have all this money on the line they wouldn't have been emotional well that's not the way the email felt to me so that was my reaction is like man someone pissed someone off and they just said you know screw you you're gone and you know pwcc's uh recovered fairly well i think they've already they're already like launching something today to react to it so like Mm -hmm. i think pwcc will end up being fine i'm just interested to see how the data shakes out does this so when, when this came out, I've, I've had choice
1: words for PWCC since basically started this podcast. I mean, when we had Jesse on, the, the, one of the first things he said was like, I know, Andrew, when we had Jesse on the first time, I know you haven't been a big supporter of PWCC. What I don't understand about our hobby, oh, oh, Chris, I'll ask you this. It's like guilty until proven innocent type of thing. Like everyone in the comments jumps out and it's like, well, good. That's what they deserve. Everyone knows they shall. And okay. Okay. Day one, fine. Day two, fine. Day three. But eventually you can't just go around throwing these huge accusations out at people with no evidence, regardless if it's PWCC or ABC company or any company. Like, does that bother you? And why are we such a hobby that we're quick to put people in our businesses, not even people into this bucket of you're guilty with no proof?
2: Yeah, Andrew. Great points. Um, I do find it amusing by the way that you have this like you 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 have this small issue like you, you're such a a peaceful um neutral a great guy, but but PWCC just rubs you the wrong way. I well, that amuses I, me. But that I, amuses I, we
0: we might have it because in the beginning we basically like we zoomed every one of our calls because he was in some random undisclosed location with Dick Cheney in Mexico <laughs> somewhere. And you know, so so we have everything on Zoom. And I'm, I'm telling you, he was going through his PWCC account and it, it was about his fees. And it was like, okay, I sent invoices. it to the vault, like and I got an invoice and, and he paid it. And then he tried to do something else, and he's like, there's more fees. There's no other invoice. They're giving me an invoice on my invoice. And it was the funniest thing in the world because he was just losing his mind about the fees on the
2: fees. And <laughs> he's like, fair, I'm man. never doing this again.
0: This is ridiculous. It was like $83.49 <laughs> like,
2: total. It, was it wasn't nothing. even the amount. Nothing, but just- <laughs> <But> look, we <laughs> all have that point. We all read that something will get us that point. And I understand that there is some legitimate grievances with how the fee structure is presented and then ultimately implemented. So, you know, and you know, I, I'll tell you, I'm sure the people at PWCC heard it. And are taking that feedback very seriously. Um, okay, so I think eBay there is a there is now a burden on eBay as the big player here, the ten billion dollar a year entity, to back up its accusation with evidence. I, I think that has to happen, um, and and it, and I think it's it's a duty to the, the hobby community.
1: Do you think that it will? EBay-
2: I don't think they will. I I don't I don't even think there's even a slight chance. That, I did I did a poll. I asked my Instagram followers about this and the the poll results were like 93% no, eBay will not supply the evidence. But I think that they should and I think anytime some to Andrew's point, anytime somebody in the hobby whether it's the biggest player in the game or the smallest fish, if you make an accusation, can can we please see the evidence and and let us as critical rational human beings evaluate it and make up our own mind? I think that's really important, an important standard to have. Go ahead, Cage.
0: Well, Andrew's problem is he still reads the comments. You know what I mean? Like, something <laughs> like this happened. It's like, oh, PWCC and, and Probstein's next and everybody shills. And HGA, they're not a real company. Cage is stunningly handsome. You know, like, you can't read the comments. You know what I mean? Like you know, I read you every know, comment. You never know what's going to be that's in those I... comments, you know?
1: I think there's a lot of health reading the comments. Obviously, you don't want them to affect your peace of mind, but that's how I learned. Like, sure. I love to see what people are thinking about. Yeah. Well, that PWCC one, guys, Josh, you, listen,
0: pin the tail on the donkey, you got it, man. I mean, I read that email and I'm like, it is emotion. There's something, there was something here. Like yeah. I, somebody peed in somebody's cornflakes. Like it was, this was bad, man. Like it was, and you're right. It's supposed to be just like, oh, it's nothing. It's business. A business decision. It's not business. That was. This was not business. This was. This was eBay looking after their bottom line. This was. You know, they probably asked PWCC to do something, and PWCC told them no. You know, there, there was, there was, there was, there was something to this, and they were just like, all right, that's it. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. You know, like that Zion Prism one, the variation where he's got his ball like this, and he's like, you know, taking his ball. The and his optic, ball. The, the optic, optic exactly optic. Yeah. Right. He's like, I got my ball. I'm going home. You know, like that. That was that's that's somebody should make Lameem James even listen. Make a make a make a eBay one. The Zion eBay with to take the ball and go home. I'm taking my ball and going home. That's what it, I are hundred percent right. That's what I thought when I read that email. And it's like associates of. What kind of standard is that, right? And, and obviously, we're not sponsored by any of these guys. We don't get any money from PWCC. We don't get any money from eBay. We don't get any money from any of these guys. Not the wharf, not anybody. But here's what scares me, right? It's that poem, right? The one where it's like, you know, they came for these guys and I said nothing because I wasn't one of those guys. They came for these guys, I said nothing. I wasn't one of those guys. And when they finally came for me, there was nobody left to speak up, right? So we talk about the wharf and how he's the most ethical person Damn, on Cage. earth. But what happens when somebody? What happens when somebody who consigns with wharf, not wharf on his own, what happens when somebody who consigns with wharf, goes and shills their own stuff up? That's somebody who's got repeat business with the wharf. That's someone who's quote associated with the wharf. And we all know Nick is about as ethical as he comes, right? I mean, look, we tried to be in business with him. He didn't want to be in business with him. you know. Nobody wants to be in business with Cage. I'm not ethical,
1: but no, so I'm loose cannon.
0: I'm a loose cannon, man. So, but but the the truth obviously is is. That's not on him. He didn't. He wouldn't have done shit. He would have nothing to do with that. And you know that if he sees it, he's going to stop it. He's going to tell you guys. He's going to say, you can't do this. He's going to do everything he can to weed it out. But sometimes you can't. It's on eBay, right? It's on their platform. You know, there's no way to weed it out sometimes. And th- they can send him an email. And be like, yo, someone associated with you has shill bid. And yep. go bye. I mean, you know, you're right, man. It's emotions, but it's more of just that, that whole, like, you're you're guilty until proven innocent. <laughs> what's next right who who who, who, what's to stop them from doing so with everybody i don't think that's going to happen because i think they specifically were targeting pwcc
3: i do yeah the guilty until proven innocent is the part that really ticks me off as well andrew i'm I'm glad that you jumped into that topic because you know if ebay comes out and shows this proof then sure i'm going to jump all over pwcc and be like look this is the issue this is what they did wrong this is what you should avoid Same thing like when the proof came out on alt, when I saw the data and I saw this, the line of code and I saw them, you know, say what they were doing with the data. Now I have the proof to be able to say, make my opinion on something, right? Until then, you know, you're just getting pissed off and screaming at people. And and that's why PwCC is coming back and they're going to want to sue for defamation because if you're not going to provide the proof, then all you're doing is slandering my name. So, like, now we have a a different problem. Business disparagement.
0: I think we all know if there was evidence, Carpool would have found it already.
1: (laughs) Were you. So alt, I don't even know if they admitted to their mistake, but they cleared it up. Josh, you're on this data side of things. You understand Did
0: they clear it up or did they just wait for the Pwcc thing to happen and and bring them, put them in the rearview mirror? Object in mirrors are just forgotten about now because something (laughs) works.
1: I was gonna ask Josh that because when we don't understand things, we're quick to move on. When we understand, we know show bidding, we know how it works, we're like, we'll jump all over that. Oh, GLDPR or I, DPR. whatever the, the standards are, because Elemental we don't P. know them. It's
0: called P. It's the European LMNLP. GPDB, well, yeah, Josh can explain it. because I, I don't know what that about.
1: GDPR. Were you satisfied with how they handle it? And if it was you, how would you have handled this
3: whole situation? Um, so I've worked in the tech industry for a long time. And when I worked at my last company we had to stop the presses, everything we were working on, bugs, features, we had to stop the presses for three months to satisfy GDPR laws. And you never see businesses stop the presses on any new feature work or things like that, unless it's very, very serious. So like we had a lot of meetings about this has to get done. There's no questions about it, do it or else kind of thing. And so, you know, we had to take it very seriously and it was ingrained in our minds that this data privacy stuff is no joke. I mean, you've seen these uh, like very serious, meetings with uh congress where they're like berating these tech companies on what are you doing with this data you know putting trying to put laws in place to prevent it from happening apple has come out i'm working on something right now related to this apple is coming out with like a hard stop on if you release an app and you don't request permission to track data nope your app is off the app store they don't care there's a there's a lot of protection around this stuff right now it's very sensitive so i'm just hyper aware of what it is and and why it's so sensitive and I was ready to give them the benefit of the doubt. I said this on the live that I thought like, Oh, it was just a coding mistake. They didn't realize they were pulling the whole HTML, but then in their response, it was basically like, yeah, we knew we were doing that. And we were using this data to provide a better product for our customer, which is code speak for we're pulling your data, researching it and, you know, selling it to advertising companies or changing our, our software to cater to what you do, which is, which is not legal. So I was actually not satisfied with their answer because, well, I mean, they they admitted to the to the truth of what was happening, which was the part that was so bad. They they almost could have just like lied and said it was a coding mistake, and and people would have been less upset myself. But I don't know. It seemed really bad to me. I I know what you're supposed to be doing on that, and that is not the way to do it. They said they've stopped it, and you know I have no reason to believe that they're they're continuing to do it if they said they're going to stop it. But um, it it from my perspective, it was a very Very massive mistake, and I and they openly admitted to it. So that's enough for me. I've seen like I said earlier, I've seen the I've seen the evidence now. They've admitted to it. I've seen the code. That's enough for me to make my opinion and kind of move on. Couldn't
1: they be using, and this is like a a question that I kind of know the answer to now, but I want to ask it anyway. Couldn't they be using this data to you know make a better user experience for me as a customer, knowing my behaviors, knowing what I'm looking for? Aren't there benefits for me as well?
3: Sure. Totally. There are benefits. Um, the issue is the uh, permission, like the lack of permission is the issue. So like if, you know, when you're uh, if you've signed up for software products or you like create a Gmail, they'll ask you like, Hey, do you want to opt into like our product improvement, whatever the heck, and, you know, send your data across and we'll track it. Like you, they're asking you to check the little box and you say, yeah, same for GDPR. That was the changes we had to make at our company was like, we could continue to track the data. We just had to put like a permission request in front of it before we began tracking it. Same with Apple. You have to ask the user, prompt them with a dialogue. Are you okay with us tracking? Great. Continue on. No, don't. It's really that simple. Uh, so the fact that they didn't ask is really, that's, that's the whole, that's all of it. It's just the, the lack of permission part. Let's talk. I want to get into card ladder, but and this will dovetail into it.
1: Grading companies, right? So we had a post, It didn't get a lot of love. It was actually our least liked post. But we try to make things that people will engage with and learn from. And something that I'm seeing now is people don't know where to send their cards, especially their raw cards, right? And you guys track a ton of data. Where would you, let's say you were holding, you know, last year you you would have probably put this into a bulk sub to PSA for $8, $10, $12. But now there's no option. Where would you guys be sending your modern cards, your Tyrese Maxis, your Jameis Wiseman base? Uh, what would you be doing with those cards where a year ago, those were pretty nice cards to pull, right? Like a John Morant. Now, I'm not really sure what to do with that card. I could go to you first, Chris, and then we'll come back to Josh.
2: Yeah, well, <clears throat> I pulled up your post and uh, that was, dude, that post has 159 comments. Yeah, and like 23 <laughs> that, likes. That stirred some feelings. Yeah, that, that stirred some feelings for sure. He I didn't think, say it was our least interacted with post. I no, said it was our no, least liked post. Right. Well, sometimes, you know, <laughs> polarize, it's better to make people feel s- anyway than to have them be indifferent. So, well, listen, if, let's be fair. I think
0: of those 159, 153 of the comments were from Card
2: <laughs> okay, there you go. Okay, so I think, you know, I'm not going to take a side over SGC versus HGA, except to say, obviously, SGC has a much richer history in the hobby, but HGA is showing a lot of potential, and, and people like both. Uh, I don't think, you know, either one is a bad option. And one thing I'll tip my hat to HGA on is they very responsibly managed their their lack of a backlog, by creating the queue system. I thought that was a very responsible approach to, uh, to to opening their doors to the public to do business. And SGC, look, you know, SGC has bailed out the hobby several times when PSA and BGS went down and they kept their doors open and they found ways to scale. And I'd see both of those slabs doing well uh, on the market. So I don't think you can go wrong. And, you know, I've, got, I've acquired a pile of cards from Rip and Wax in 2021 because the last time I submitted was in January and that was when PSA still had their bulk rates available which feels like, you know, a century ago. But, you know, now I'm looking at SGC and HGA and some others and I'm just and I'm saying, you know, if PSA's bulk order, you know, if 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 I'm not able to submit cards to PSA at a $20 rate in a in the next few months and I'm going to have to go to somebody else who's willing to take my 20 bucks and I'll have to more seriously, you know, weigh the pros and the cons of these different companies but you know, I, I'm happy to see these, the, the leading grading companies leading this new charge. I'm, I'm happy to see both of them doing well SGC and HGA and a few, and, and CSG, a few of the others too.
3: Yeah. Um, you gave me an easy out by asking what I would do personally or what I do now. I used, I used to fully transparent. I used to grade and flip a lot. Like I, it was, it was honestly like no joke. I, it was printing money. It was the easiest way to make money in like the world. I, it was just so easy. You could just buy a shiny card, get it graded on twenty bucks or ten bucks, get it back in a few weeks, sell it for three times what you just paid. It was ridiculously easy. I don't do it anymore at all. I don't. I don't. There's the, the margins don't make sense anymore. The turnaround times don't make sense. The cost of grading doesn't make sense. There. It may, may. It's. It may still make sense. I'd have to look at the math on HGA and SGC. I haven't dug into that enough. But the profit margin is definitely a lot thinner than it used to be and for me like personally i just i just don't uh i don't want to take on the risk of doing it anymore it's there's not enough payoff it's not easy enough and that's just the reality like the party's over that 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 ship has sailed nobody's nobody's making you know a crap ton of money grading and flipping anymore it still can happen there's still cases where you can get a a rare card it happens to gem you know you paid less uh, quite a bit less for raw and, and it happens but the percentages and the ratios uh, don't really add up anymore. Like you're talking about having to, you're only going to make money on a card that gems 10% of the time. And if it gems in that one out of 10 case, you're making money, but the other nine times you're not, and you're actually just breaking even. So like, it doesn't make any sense anymore. So, you know, selfish personal answer. I'm just not doing it anymore. It's, you know, it's sad. Those days are over of printing money, but that's how it goes. Cage, I'm going to use one of your quotes. You always say nature abhors a vacuum. And
1: that last, Three minutes of Josh. I'll go back and re-listen because that's why NFTs have shot up the way they did. At least that's my. Look opinion. What he
0: did that, Josh. He just and, made you a Top Shot fan. You didn't think he was going to do that, did you?
1: Well, when you can't get your <laughs> alpha, when when you can't get your alpha with something that you normally do, you go and look for other ways to make your money. Totally. And when your NFT could go from two hundred bucks to five thousand, you're like, okay, well, at least got to put my money there if I'm so. It, 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 it's well said let's talk a little bit about card ladder and we'll wrap
2: you guys have Andrew can I jump in on one last thought on grading please, please I want no to way. tip the hat to CSG um, because here's how they've rolled out their product and in all honesty I don't love the giant label on yes. the slab so it maybe that could get fixed but here's what I like about CSG I like the fact that they announced from day one, here are our senior graders. I think it was cutthroat but necessary that they poached them from Beckett. They name those guys. Those guys have bios. You can read all about them and their history in the hobby. I yeah. think the more transparency we have about grading standards, about who the graders are, and about how that process works, the better. And I think CSG's approach of building credibility from the ground up by saying, here's our senior graders Here's what they believe. Here's their history in the hobby. Here's their bona fide credentials with respect to authenticating cards. You know, because an important part of grading is authentication. And that's something that no grading company can escape. And and they no grading company should be trying to take shortcuts on authentication because that can come back to bite you five years from now, whenever. So I just, I, that gave me a lot of confidence in CSG. I just, I wish the slabs looked more appealing. That's just my honest critique. But, but I, I wanted to give them a, a shout out. And I know you guys have a lot of influential listeners. And so I wanted to, I wanted that to filter to the audience, too, that like that credibility building that CSG did was it, it really resonated with me. And I mean,
1: Cage, we had him on twice, right? We had Max Spiegel on both times and we had Andy Broom, who was the head grader. I mean, they, it's a professional business. That's a professional business that's well run. Like you can't really say much about them.
0: And we got to talk to them a little bit at National also. I mean, definitely. Professional is, you know, through and through. They know what they're doing. Guys, look, obviously, you know, if you're listening to this, you hear our intro, our outro, you know, our pre-roll and our post-roll. We we are sponsored by HGA. Just like these guys at Card Letter, they tell you, hey, here's the price of the card. Here's the valuation we have for the card. We own this card. Obviously, we're sponsored by HGA. But like all of our sponsors, you know, we make sure that when we sign on with somebody, that we're not going to be cut off at the legs. We're going to tell you, you know, the, the good, the bad. I mean, we have a we do a fractional report this week, and I talked about things that were overpriced on collectible. You know, I mean, and it's the same thing here, right? And we had Tyler hit on last week talking about why he would send certain of his own cards to SGC instead of grading with HGA, that he wouldn't send vintage cards to his own company right now, right? I mean, like, that is legit. And what Chris is saying, what Josh is saying, it's all legit, right? Think about it. I'll tell you right now. What Josh is saying, it really hits home with me. I mean, I made money grading Andre Drummond cards. Who can say that? Nobody. But it was that printing money is exactly what it was. It was $50 bills like Goonies, right? I mean, it was really like printing money. And you can't do that because PSA is closed. And if Willy Wonka shuts down the Chalka factory, you got to go to Slugworth, man. Or you got to go to these other guys that are popping up and are opening up a way to do it. And Josh is a, a, a million percent right. You're not going to have the margins, you know, you're not going to have that 10x on every single card, but whether it's CGC, whether it's HGA, whether it's SGC, you have to figure out. Chris probably probably made the point the right way, right? A lot of us haven't thought about grading with these other companies yet because we're still hoping with fingers crossed, with bated breath, that PSA is going to open, that Nat Turner wearing his cape. I love the man. We've had him on a bunch of times. I got to talk to him at, that, at the National. You know, I was not so old on that guy. Talk about a good steward for the hobby. Forget about it. You know, we couldn't be in better hands. He wants to open his stuff up, right? But dummies like me who sent in Darius Baisley during the bubble, you know, my you know, house cards to grade, you know, because why wouldn't I? I was still making money on that junk. Right. I mean, obviously, I'm at I'm at fault here. I'm sorry, Josh, because now you can't print money. It's my fault. It's the, sure. My optic, my houses and all these other bullshit that I sent in. Revolution gods I'm grading for my son. Sorry. But but the truth is, we're all sitting here hoping that Wondernat is going to open up the bulk grading for us. and we don't have to make that decision. But Chris, he, he, you know, you hit the pin. You put the tail on the donkey, right? Chris hit the pinata and cracked it open here. He's what is that? Somebody got like a, like a storm coming in by you, Andrew. So yeah, hurricane. items that. bothering you? Nice, lovely. At least, at least the kid's not kidnapped or something. You never know what kind of warning it is. So, but, but his Chris hits the hits the pinata right open because he, he hasn't thought about where he's gonna grade yet, right? Because but eventually in a month or two months that stack of raw that you're opening and breaks or whatever you're doing, you gotta figure out what you're gonna do with it, where you're gonna grade it, right? That's what our post was supposed to be about, right? It's a comparison. It's, it's it, you guys do your own research on it. Figure out what kind of margins you're potentially going to get. They're not going to be PSA margins like Josh was getting, and maybe maybe you're in Josh's camp. Maybe you're just not going to do it anymore until PSA opens the doors back up, and Augustus Gloop, Josh, Mike TV, and the rest of the crew can go back into the factory and get those
1: margins again. I I I think it's because we're all like you always say we're all gamblers. So, people, I always say, do send 10 cards to SGC, 10 to HGA, 10 to CSG, and see what, what, learn, learn through testing. But I, I've given you that advice, Cage. Like, he's like, should I sell all my Devante Graham? And I'm like, well, you could sell some of them. He's like, no, all or nothing. And I think we often think like that. Let me ask you, Josh, yep. is Beckett the last
3: domino to fall? Like, to me, they look very attractive from a buyout standpoint. Well, they're buying other companies right now, so I don't know if they're really wanting to get swallowed up yet. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, they definitely do. I mean, it, so it seems like they sh- they are a candidate, but, you know, if the if the owners don't want to get bought, then it kind of seems like that's the case because I feel like they would have been bought by now just based on all the activity and movement over the last couple of years. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're just doubling down on themselves and they're just going to keep going. I don't know. All right, fine. I'm not going to – this
1: isn't going to be one of my BGS episodes. Let's wrap with this, guys. So – By the way, PWCC
0: and then BGS, right? So they're, It's they're, not even It's not even
1: close. It's not even close. That's Andrew's S list, huh? Okay, gotcha. It's not even – no, PWCC is like I am was upset 2 out of 10. BGS, I'm upset 9 out of 10. Cl- close to <laughs> 10 out of 10. <laughs> I just
2: need to care, man. That's all.
1: <laughs> Dude, they don't take care of their customers. And their customers are what make them live in beautiful houses, nice yachts, nice cars. Like if I'm holding a black label BGS card, to me, I'm really, really scared because I don't know what that brand is. I don't. They don't speak to me. But let's talk about Card Ladder, a brand that's doing it right. And guys, like you're growing organically. I think like that's the tr- the best compliment you could really give someone, right? Because anyone could like pour, you know, gas on a fire, huge marketing spend, sponsored ads. And I'm sure you guys think about that, but. I feel like your growth is word of mouth. And honestly, it's through that community you've built. And a lot of people before we had you on asked, are you going to bring your main podcast back? I can't remember the name, but like you guys had a podcast before
2: crossover, right? Is Are you going to bring that back? Are you, I think you might be referring to, we had a YouTube show yep. called, uh, yeah, and so it's called Sports Cards Culture and we will bring it back. It's just, we have one chief content officer who's responsible for our video work and he's been pumping out our national documentary um which has which is uh it it just concluded four parts and then any day this week now we're releasing one full-length version of the documentary so that's pretty exciting uh so and we will be bringing it back um as soon as his editing slate is available which will be next week so we will be bringing it back thank you for asking
1: Nice. What's uh, what's new at Card Ladder? You know, you guys are adding cards. Uh, I know you guys are – just for people – I mean, most people are on Card Ladder, whether that's a free trial they signed up for, or most people are probably on the paid plan. What's what's new? What's new under well, the hood? Before they go
0: into what's new, right, and we can get into that, tell people who, for the one person living under a rock who hasn't signed up for Card Ladder yet. Got any promotions? Got anything going on? How do they get a free, you know, one-month access? And before you do that, I just want to give my promo. Because these guys, they don't want to toot their own horn. Right, they let the data speak for itself. That's why I love Josh. Josh is talking about the data. He wants the data. He wants the data. data. He wants everyone's data. He wants data, data, data. But here, here's my thing. These guys are that chart. These guys are what we talked about. They are that steady line. They don't need the spike. They want that organic growth. They want to grow the right way. They don't need to throw a fake influencer gasoline on the fire because it's a quality product. That is just growing in numbers and use over time and i've said this in some comments and i'll say it right now on the podcast it's the kind of product that could only be produced by guys like these people who know the hobby who um, live the hobby people who bleed the hobby cry about the hobby when it gets them sad get elated about the hobby when it gets them happy right it's not somebody i mean josh is a data guy but he also bleeds this stuff you know what i mean and you need to be able to do that it's the kind of product that can only be created by guys like these two, so I'll give you a, you know applause on it because it really is. There's a lot of people putting out data tools, and maybe this will cost me a sponsor down the road. I don't really care. There's nobody doing it like you guys are doing. A lot of people nipping at your heels, they're not even close. What you guys have produced is head and shoulders better than anybody else has produced anything. So a big, I'll give you a big I five. I'll give you a big you know two beer horn for you if you're not going to do it. Now tell me where they can find you if they don't already have it. The promo is what you got going on, and then what else is new?
2: Well, thank you for that, Cage. Thank you quite a bit. Um, Cardladder.com is the website that you can go to, and it's pretty self-explanatory. But we've got a suite of software features that's a little too numerous to list. But whether it's collection tracking, whether you want to know the price of pretty much any card, uh, we've got the features to enable you to do that, uh, including cards not in our database, Um, and that's that's one of our newest features. In fact, is a price check feature that within about 20 seconds, you can know the price of just about any card using our software. I I won't go into the weeds of it, it can get technical, but I have spoken about it at length on the Crossover Podcast and other places and feel free to DM me, I love to talk about this stuff. So does Josh. Uh, Also, we have our full blown application experience is available in the Google Play Store for Android users and in the Apple Store for iPhone users. So we have covered the whole gamut of, of devices, um, and I believe we are one of the very few entities in the hobby to have a full-blown app on all platforms and on all, and on all devices. So, um, and, and you don't need to be a premium user, although we'd love you to have you as one, because that's where you're going to get the, the best and the mo- most robust experience. But um, we'd love to have you as a free user, too. And you, don't, you can be a free user and enjoy the app. You can be a free user and enjoy the website as well. So there it is. Thank you guys for, for letting me say that.
1: Let me ask, so if we get into the weeds, maybe one example, and then we'll wrap here. So there was the Wayne Gretzky OPG PSA 9 that just sold on PWCC. Uh, and, and this applies probably more to vintage cards, base cards. It's easy to comp base cards, right? We all know what those go for. But it gets really tough when there's like an OPG card where not every PSA nine is created equal, right? So, and you see the there's one that sold for 118,000 on August 9th through Golden, and then August 21st through PWCC, it sold for 204,000. Clearly, I appeal is way different on the 204. But like Josh, like obviously as a one off, that's easy, but those happen all the time. How do you scrub for data? How do you clean that up so that someone could make?
3: so they can make sense of it. Oh, that's a Chris question. 100%. I would just butcher that. So don't even, I have no okay, My apology. That Apologies is the, that burden
2: falls on me. Uh, that that's, he, he's being polite, but that's my burden to bear. And you know what, Andrew, there is no good answer to that question. It's, it's uh, you know, uh, cage gave a shout out to MBA a little bit earlier. And the, the, the fact that MBA exists or the fact that PWCC, I appeal stickers exist is a testament to the fact that even within a grade, there are you know levels to it. That yeah. It's a spectrum.
1: NBA is Mike Baker. Uh, Correct
2: authentication stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. So, and and you know um, even the, the Gretzky OPG is a great example. of The PSA nine that was a PWCC E meaning PWCC determined it was top fifteen percent. We had a Michael Jordan eighty six Fleer PSA ten sell for eight hundred and forty thousand. PWCC in that asset description said it's literally the best copy they've ever seen. And Eric Myers attested to that as well. So is that the same thing as a as a PSA 10 that does not have any designation as being top 30 or top 15 or top 5%? You know, it, it, I think the market has spoken loudly and clearly on that one, that there are different levels of PSA 10s, there are different levels of PSA 9s, there are different levels of BGS 9.5. The same problem happens with BGS as well, because you have the subgrades. So you, you have a BGS 9.5 True Gem Plus, and then you have a BGS 9.5 Min Gem, and those are treated by the market as two different items, two totally different items. And, you know, Andrew, we don't have a good solution to that. It's it's too granular. It's too precise. And the, the listing methodologies that auction houses and people on eBay use, they don't distinguish them properly. So at a certain point, you just have to say, well, like for the OPG Gretzky, this is going to be an amalgamation of data points that are going to vary and fluctuate and just is what it is. Um, we do control for it in some situations. So like if that Gretzky OPG had sold for let's say 300 and there were copies readily available at the time and other copies that went for auction for significantly less like, you know, 60 70% of that price, we would have excluded that OPG sale. The 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 outlier we would have excluded it and we would have sent it to a different folder so the data point's still there, you can still see it. But we wouldn't display it on the graph. But at the time of that sale, there were no other copies that OPG available, so we included it. But it's a tough call, man. You know what I it love always is. What's the
0: hobby, Chris? Right, What's so that? You got your data. You got your walkthroughs on this. It's, sometimes it takes care of itself, right? Because hmm. that Gretzky, you had one that was a, a probably a bottom ten percent Gretzky, where there was a quote oil smudge on the word oiler, and it sold for below what it should have been. Right. And then the next one, or two later, one comes out that is the cleanest copy that I've ever seen, where it yep. doesn't have any rough edge on the side. You know, those obiches and the PSA 9s, they're, they're notorious have that little white rough edge on, on the side of the light blue. And this card, it was clean coverage. By the way, you, you got to be a little careful with Yeah, you uh, you, know, you got to worry about how, how clean that is. It, was a dentist tool used on that? I, I don't know exactly. <laughs> but so, but <clears throat> point being... Um, you
1: know, I mean, you know, get on the blowout detective agency there and see what's going on. But, but
2: it's a, it's an honest it's question. Gorgeous. Like we, we laugh, but it's an honest question. No, And Andrew, you know, and Cage makes an excellent point. I do like that, that you can, look within between the period of July 18th and August 21st, copies of that card sold for anywhere between one hundred and two thousand and two hundred and four thousand. And that's not market volatility. That's the sole cause of that. Not even close. So but, you know, Andrew, the other thing that this speaks to philosophically, is how do you value an item and, and how important are comps and should comps be the end of the story? And I think the, the, the further you dig into this, the, the more it becomes clear that there is no one definitive value on any item that can be tied to any comp and that each item is going to ultimately have to have its have its day and run an auction or find a buyer. And then when that particular item sells, we know that it, at least at one point in time, the item sold for that much. And that's all we know. And so comps are helpful tools. Algorithms can be helpful tools. Player indexes can be helpful tools. Overall market indexes can be helpful tools. But at the end of the day, we don't know what an item is worth until somebody decides to pay that much for it. And then you know what? A week later, there might not be anybody else wanting to pay that much for it, or there might be two guys wanting to pay more for it. You just don't know. You have some you tools. First,
0: folks. Yep. Chris Hodge, straight from Chris Hodge's mouth, the hobby is full of tools, and only some of them are helpful.
1: <laughs> there you go, indeed. Well, if, if I pick up, like, you know, and we try to do this with our show, too. Um, you know, we, we try to get people to third base, right? But at the end of the day, you got to think nice. for yourself. you got to teach people. Right, like it's easy to give someone to play. I was watching Two for the Money, that old Brandon Lang movie today uh, about sports betting and pick giving out plays. And it was hilarious. Like they would call into this hotline a billion and give dollar, plays. With a
0: billion dollar plan.
1: Yes, Cage knows Cage is an encyclopedia of movie quotes. It's sickening. Uh, but I think what you guys try to do is hey, guys, this is clean data. Here's all of these tools with Card Ladder. But at the end of the day, you have to make your own decisions, you have to mm. learn how to be a good investor and what it means to be a good investor. Uh, so I commend you for that because that's all you could do. And I, I hope that people understand on the other line that are listening, on the other end of this, it's your responsibility to take those tools and learn. No one can help you do that. for you know. They can just provide you with the resources. So unless there's any final words, I think it's a great place to end. We're just over an hour. This is one of my favorite episodes because we kind of gave you like, a, you know, what's happening in the hobby the last month what it looks like moving forward. We covered a variety of topics. Guys, I appreciate your time. I I really do, man. I appreciate you guys being so easy to schedule with and, and hopping on on short notice to make it happen.
3: Thank you for having us, guys. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having us. I have one last thing. I'm going to be tracking all players that left the Lakers from last year and tracking to see their performance after they left LeBron. Because the important thing to note is not how they play when he's on their team, as you pointed out, it's more important to see how they play after. I'm tracking those guys. They, I will be plotting graphs. I will be running the numbers and we're going to figure this out. I'm
0: going to ask you before we go. Can you
3: unplug and plug your
1: headphones back in, Cage, cuz it sounds like you're talking to us from the roof. Oh, uh, my phone was
0: dying. There we go. There we, giant. go. there we go. There we go. You know, it's a long episode. It's a marathon episode. My-,
1: my headphones are back
0: in. Can you hear me now from yes. my headphones? They're yes. back in. Okay, good. Lovely. No amber alerts on my phone this time. So, my question, do you think that LeBron has gotten better since high school? Or do you think it's fair to say that LeBron Leave it there. Leave has it there. not, he hasn't improved his game at all since there. he came in the league?
3: Since high school?
0: Well, he came in the league from high school, right? Well, I so mean, like,
3: if you look at his rookie year, he didn't even make the playoffs. And then in 2018, he took, in my opinion, a similarly talented bunch around him and took them to the NBA finals. So, like what's your definition of like better is it that he can jump higher no is he a better overall basketball player is he smarter is he better at getting his teammates involved yes it's just like your if your definition of better is that he's winning more then he's absolutely gotten better since his high school
0: did he improve as a player i think my definition of
3: my definition of getting better
1: and obviously like how much can instagram really capture of the whole context is an example of guys like Jordan and Kobe working with Olajuwon to
3: develop post moves.
1: It's guys working in the off season to, off-season to retool their jump shot, like
3: Ben Simmons. Uh, you know that LeBron that, worked with Hakeem as well, right? You know that, right? Uh, the in Miami, I'm he glad worked he did. With him. I haven't seen the
1: moves, so like well, he, to me, his did. his his game has become increasingly more limited. Like I don't think he shoots as as well as he should.
0: By the way. I don't know. No, this isn't a attack on I thought he we're having a up. basketball combo. He just said that he would have rather LeBron work on his game the way Ben Simmons does in the that did shot catch that? that was a shot no, of Ben
1: Simmons. <laughs> oh, <my. laughs>
2: they did, yeah, uh, fulfill, the 76ers are trying to market Ben Simmons right now to get any trade <laughs> value out of him possible. He's terrible. It's uh, terrible. By I pulling
1: gonna work. the Sixers are doing this move, Rich Paul did this. I don't know if you guys saw this. It, kind of clever move, but I it's ridiculous. He's saying Maxi and Ben Simmons aren't going to play for the Sixers uh, because Ben Simmons isn't happy because both both Maxie and uh, Ben Simmons are a, agent is Rich Paul. Ridiculous. Dude, I love guys like Giannis who've come into the league and constantly have worked on their game, worked on their game, worked on their game. LeBron is the best athlete we've ever seen. Probably the best athlete we, the world's ever seen, honestly. But to me, he's fallen short. In terms of improving the different parts of his games, the the, the different parts of his game, the way other players did. But that's just my opinion. I never played basketball. I don't know shit. It's just my opinion, right? And that's where I stand because I admire guys like Kobe, Giannis, who have had to work on their game because they weren't as athletically gifted.
3: Giannis you think, isn't as athletically gifted as LeBron. Are you insane? He's, like, seven feet tall, and he can, like, dunk without even jumping. I don't, I, that's a, that's a, I don't agree with that at all.
0: Josh, here's t- who I would say, right? Here's what I would say. So, 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 Joey Chestnut, he does not have to go and improve his eating style, right? Because he's the best at it anyway. He's going to eat more hot dogs. He doesn't have to go in the off season, right, and figure out a way to fix his jaw because he knows he's going to come in and he's going to eat as many hot dogs. That's LeBron. Like the other people have to figure out a way to beat him. Figure out a way. LeBron doesn't have to. He's the best. I've seen Giannis's.
3: I've seen Giannis's free throw percentage and shooting percentage stay completely stagnant. But he can still jump really high. So he's improved on like his jumping and dunking. I, I I don't. I don't agree at all. I couldn't be more. I couldn't agree less with anything you're saying. LeBron is like the steadiest growth player I've ever seen. Like he's number two all time in PER. Kobe Bryant is twenty-seven. Do you do you follow advanced metrics? Basketball Reference. I know. LeBron is, like, number two in everything behind the great Michael Jordan. He's the only player. I will definitely say Michael Jordan is better than LeBron. But I... By the way, you heard it here first also. I will say LeBron is number two to Michael Jordan. I've,
0: I mean, I'm not, I'm not a bronze testicle like a lot of people out there are. That's, that's the name, right? I say it wrong every time, but I'm going to say it right now, bronze testicle. But, yeah, he's the second best player. He's definitely the second best player I've ever seen, and I've been watching basketball for a while. I saw Dr. J play. I saw Kareem play. You know, I saw Shaq, and I'm a Shaq homer. You know, I was a guy I loved watching growing up, but LeBron's better than all those guys. LeBron, you know, right now, the only thing Jordan had over him is Jordan just won. Jordan just had that that extra gear that I don't think LeBron has in the finals um, that causes him to pass to Danny Green. but are under this illusion.
1: We're under this illusion that that extra gear is, is, like, born, right? It's this innate quality. But Tim Grover, the guy who's trained... trained uh, Jordan Anko, that extra gear comes from all of his work, all of his work on his jump shot, all of his work on his game in the post. So that's my thing. LeBron is, is a freak athlete. I think you're, uh,
0: you're re- being ridiculous here. Uh, LeBron obviously works. You think he was born with salsa moves, like he had in a commercial? He <laughs> was born with the acting chops that he showed in Space Jam 2. He clearly works on his game. He clearly he loves works He loves
1: being the center of attention. I will agree with that.
0: Josh, I'm I'm put you on a spot here. What do you think? What do you think the Lakers do this year with them?
1: You think the addition um, of Carmelo,
0: Russell Westbrook? You think it's addition? You think it's subtraction? You think they're they're the favorites for you know winning a championship? What do you think?
3: Um, I I don't think they're going to win the championship. They're just they're a little bit too old for me. Like they're they don't really have like the legs to to get through all the things they need to get through like i just i just i'm not sure who's going to carry them in the middle of the season i guess westbrook could help on that front but like a lot of their players are very inefficient westbrook carmelo not exactly like you know spot up shooters that are going to play around but you know i could be proven wrong with just like the amount of sheer talent that they have and they they could just kind of will themselves to a championship like they did a couple years ago um but their their roster isn't my favorite of all time i guess we'll see how it plays out and lebron's like 37 now, 38. I don't know how much more we can expect from that guy. I call the Lakers Great. Prism this year because they're the 2012 All Star team and uh, plus
0: Anthony Davis rookie. So that's basically Chris, the Lakers team.
1: <laughs> Chris, real quick,
2: your top five of all time. Oh, man. I don't know. I don't have a big enough frame of reference to <laughs> pull in the older generations, man. But I, I have LeBron and Jordan in the top five for sure. And I, and oh, by the way, I do not have Kobe. That's okay. Tim Duncan? Uh, I, You know, I'm just not – this is just like a guy at a barbershop firing off an opinion at this point because I am not a scholar of this in any way, shape, or form. Wow. But, no, I don't, have, I don't have Tim Duncan. No, not in my top five. But I think Tim Duncan merits a top ten appearance. I have Akeem in my top ten. Um, I have Larry Bird Magic Johnson in my top ten. But then I know that I, I need to leave space for Wilt, for Bill Russell, for Kareem. So, but I don't know where those guys fall. I didn't really watch those guys play.
1: I think I hope you guys enjoyed that extra like nine minute rant about LeBron
3: versus me. <laughs> Look at Josh. He's still angry.
0: He's still mad. That was the He's best the smile I've seen. seen.
3: I've never seen Josh have such a big smile. Like PWC, uh, LeBron is my PWCC, or Beckett apparently. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, guys. This episode of Lucas,
0: Tigers, and Bronze was brought to you by Hybrid Grading Approach. Take it from someone who has personally submitted thousands of cards for grading. HGA slabs just hit different. They're top of the line and color-coordinated to match the card itself. The aesthetics are unrivaled in the industry. When paired with the ease of submission and the transparency of the pricing model, HGA stands alone as the best choice for grading your cards. I believe that once you try them out, you will agree. Thanks for listening, Luca Nation. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. And eh, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.